Hello, welcome back. This is Kayasha, and I'm here with Mark Amaru Pickham. He is a return returning guest uh, to talk about Lemuria or Mu, the capital M, capital U. It's an ancient goddess civilization that was the first original civilization that started on this planet T3 we call Earth. Um, Anyhow, today is a very special day, not just day, but week, because we have a full moon um, in the Pisces. Uh, that means activation of the water spirit is going on. And it's thundering right now as we're speaking, um, when it's been extremely hot for the last several days. And that's because Pata, the fire dragon god, Pata, uh, has been activated as well. So we're seeing a shifting of the planetary um, earth, earth crust, such as the volcano of La Palma is being activated uh, and some other parts of the world, uh, adding to the massive earthquake that's been going on in different parts of the continent that is never heard of, such as the middle of Mongolia versus somewhere that's more, you know, near the coastal areas. Um, anyways, and the next time, if you do have a questions about uh, a lot of what Mark has to say, please contact us, write to us. You can reach us on Facebook or write to us to so, uh, spacecatgear um, at gmail and we will be able to answer some of your questions for you a lot of fascinating information that are coming through about the return of the goddess and the creation myth that we have had and we're gonna jump right in okay here we go sorry for the interruption so lemuria was the place that academics refer to um, as the uh, beginning of the goddess tradition and her universal myth that talks about the earth goddess giving birth to her son, the green man, every year in the spring. He matures very quickly, like all the forms of nature do. He mates with his mother and uh, he actually governs the world under her authority for some time and then he dies in the fall okay so this is where this is where that all started back in well later paleolithic or um or early neolithic times now this sun is uh this green man's son is also the founder of the goddess mysteries. And um, the Gnostics talked about him, uh, the Middle Eastern Gnostic, the Egyptian Gnostics, they talked about the goddess. They were great goddess lovers. And that, that tradition of the goddess was passed down to them. So they knew about the goddess, they knew about her, her son. And what they said is that at one point, when humanity were first created, uh, the goddess wanted, well, the goddess was situated on the Pleiades 
and she wanted her children on earth to know their divinity. So she sent her son to our planet in order to reveal to humans their divinity, which he did by founding the goddess traditions here on earth, the, the tradition of gnosis and alchemy or alchemy that leads to gnosis. And so this all occurred on Lemuria and he founded an organization called the Order of the Seven Rays that would teach these mysteries. And this order would also spread the mysteries around the planet. Now, much later in time, we know that though that the order of the seven rays became the great white brotherhood so your listeners are going to relate to that a lot more than the order of the seven rays because it's much better known um but this is where the whole goddess tradition began that eventually became the nature religion the paganistic became witchcraft it became the tradition of the gnostics the alchemists it's specifically the gnostic alchemical path also it's also been known as the left hand path so your listeners might relate to one of these names for it but throughout history it has come into conflict with the patriarchal right hand path which is the path of religion so you might say that the goddess tradition is the tradition of spirituality that takes you to God. The, the God tradition, the patriarchal tradition, the religious tradition, it tells you what God's rules are and, and how, to, how to obey God so that there'll be a place for you in heaven. But the goddess, the goddess tradition leads you inside yourself to become God. So that's the big difference. And typically, the religion is important um, in that it, it helps to you to develop discrimination of what's good for you on the path, what isn't, as well as discipline. It takes discipline, okay? Um, and you need that. I, I, how, I agree how it, how... with you, yes. I agree with you on that, Mark, because a lot of times people tell me that, oh, you know, the heart chakra is the most important, and it really it isn't. You need all of it, uh, particularly if you look at uh, the lower three chakra, it's mainly, they're mainly um, male, except, you know, the root is female. That's for birthing the womb. And then you have above the heart, it's actually more of... Um, the uh the um the navy dark blue color that's more of feminine energy and that's the wisdom and mm. it actually override the f the masculine energies so like you said you you need the rules and then it's the feminine that embody the god that is actually true if you look at the energy system of a human body right that's exactly right so if you think of the archetypal religious spiritual path and they, it's still practiced actually in india the the kula tantra tradition it has eight stages in that tradition and the first four are of religion right mm -hmm. to cultivate the discipline discrimination the second four are of the goddess tradition of the left hand path the gnostic alchemical path and this is how it should be followed 
first the god and then the goddess. And that's when the problem throughout history is that the god tradition uh, and its officials and its militia and its inquisition, it never understood the left-hand path because those following the right-hand path were never ready for the left-hand path. So how could they understand it? And it was tradition for the right-hand path. If they didn't understand something, they'd kill it. They'd destroy it. They did that all over the world. And so wherever they went, wherever they went, wherever Catholic conquerors went, if they didn't understand the native tradition, they destroyed it. They wiped it out. And, and consistently, what they wiped out were branches of this goddess tradition all over the world. And so that's what they've been doing. Um, so anyway, the to get back to your original question, what Lemuria was, was this cradle of the goddess, the cradle of the goddess tradition. And you'll find that that whole part of the world the Pan-Pacific countries, uh, at some point or another, they were all involved with the goddess tradition, and they still are. You know, whether it's China, whether it's India, whether it's Peru, that whole area, and even to the even um, the west coast of this country, which was part of Lemuria. Now, the god tradition began officially really began on what they say Atlantis, which was on the other side of the world. And so most of the religious traditions and the patriarchal traditions and the conquering patriarch, you know, cultures are all on that side of the world, right? So you've got matriarchy goddess on one side and God conquering patriarchy on the other side. And so they've consistently got, they have got, come into conflict because, of course, the patriarchy, one of their goals is always to conquer and, and, and to control, right? And they, so they are going to control with their religion. And if anything gets in there, that, the way of that, it's going to get destroyed. And so the left hand, if the left-hand path did get in the way and it did get in the way, <laughs> It was destroyed consistently. And so this is what you had. And so basically you could say that Lemuria was a place where we developed the female qualities within ourselves, especially intuition. And uh, the more artistic parts of ourselves and the more, you know, emotional, sensitive parts. But then it was during the time of starting at the time of Atlantis, that we developed the ego part and the intellectual side of ourselves. And, and this is kind of where we are right now. We're still in that patriarchal area, but we're trying to work on reviving the goddess tradition because we need to. Because for one thing, part of the goddess tradition is to steward the earth, take care of the earth, and connect with the earth and the animals on the planet, and we're destroying it. And mm -hmm. so unless we can connect with that goddess tradition, we are going to just destroy our homeland, our planet. So we have to. Right? We, and we see that we're, we're out of balance. As long as we come from a totally intellectual place, an egotistical place, we're all out of, we're out of balance all the time. And we can feel that. 
And so there's nothing but disharmony on the planet because of that. So there has to be a balance there for, we, for us to get back into harmony and back to a place of peace on the planet within ourselves. So there has to be this revival. And this is why my work has been to um, write about the history of the goddess tradition, what's happened. And this, this was the book that I wrote, the conversation of the great goddess where she told me about this conflict that has been brewing since the very beginning and how it needs to come to a culmination now at the time of the Armageddon, because the Armageddon was always meant to be the last battle between God, goddess, matriarchal, fame, uh, patriarchal. And it's supposed to be happening now. But what she told me when, when she um, uh, moved this, translated this book or gave me this book and the information, uh, she said that really the Armageddon occurred already. And in fact, the Hopis had actually um, predicted it. They said it was going to be, they called it World War III, but it was actually World War II. And, and the, the, the symbol of the sun and the symbol of the swastika were intimately involved with it, which of course is World War II. So she, she was telling me that, you know, that the patriarchy came to its maximum. Um, and... Uh, it, it, it came to its most extreme, right, with with the Nazi Party. It was all about the fatherland. It was all about destroying all the other races other than their race. It, it was everything that was anti-goddess, absolutely everything. And so what happened was that it was the those countries that espoused the, the goddess tradition or different facets of the goddess tradition, uh, especially, well, liberty, for one, and such as the United States and the United States allies of the United States, we went in and, and we, we destroyed the Nazi party, we destroyed the patriarchy. Otherwise, the whole world would be governed by patriarchy today, absolutely. And so she told me that that was really, truly the, um, um, the Armageddon, and we are now, now we can start to move into the next chapter of this world that when we come to imbalance of the male female, when the left brain, the male left brain can unite with the right female brain in order to create Gnostic awareness, because that's where we're all headed. We're all headed towards the Gnostic revelation that God exists within me as, as me. And it's the Gnostic revelation that we know that everything is all energy. Everything is God. But that, but you have to get to a point of uniting the hemispheres, which is a, which are the two petals of the sixth chakra, which is the chakra of, of intuition, of the highest wisdom. And so this is what has to happen now so that we can, we can ascend to that highest wisdom. And that's what the what's that a human birth is been all about and this is what the goddess tradition and the enlightened masters of the goddess tradition have always known that th that's what a human birth is all about is is to have that experience so that g god can know itself through us okay and and so we're, we're kind of bringing everything back um 
we're going full circle, so to speak. You know, we're going back to Lemuria because we're we need to revive the intuition, the Lemurian intuition, and so a lot of a lot of the understanding of Lemuria and what the goddess tradition was on Lemuria. This is coming to the fore. This is coming. Uh, this information is coming out for us all now. What does the goddess? What did the goddess look like? Did she appear to you? Did you were you able to describe her? Well,、um, at one point, I was involved with、uh, an Andean Andean shamanism, and it was using a chac cactus, which is called Wachuma or San Pedro, that's made into drink. You drink it down, and then. It, That can give that can give you visions of the gods, because this, the the Andean shaman say that that came from Lemuria. So really, you're you're you are envisioning the Lemurian goddess on on that plant, and so this I've I've had some experiences with her that way. I, my my shaman who taught me that form of shamanism, he had he's he had、uh, visions of anthropomorphic. Images of the goddess as, as, as like a human female. Myself, I would see her as、uh, the seven rays, the seven colors,、um, or as as kind of crystal.、Um, when you call her on San Pedro, you say, "Come to me, goddess,"、so、with your coat of crystals and your seven rays of color, because they know in the ancient times that the goddess divided herself into the seven rays or into the seven colors, right? And so, quite often, I've seen her that way, as the seven colors and as 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 kind of her coat of crystals, so to speak. So, would you say that then she herself, as a one entity? Is a、uh, can be fragmented into the seven rays of the masters. Yes, that's exactly right. So and and, like and actually, she. <laughs> we in our the order of seven rays, which which I'm the director of here in Sedona, we 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 refer to her,、uh, the goddess as the as the lady of the seven rays, and her son as the lord of the seven rays. Because her her seven rays are actually associated with the seven stars of the Pleiades, and that is her seat in the galaxy. You see, and, and some pe some、uh, people have have theorized that the energy of a higher universe flows through the Pleiades, and then it becomes characterized by the seven rays of the Pleiades. But nonetheless, uh, that's uh, yeah, that that's her. Uh, manifestation, uh, and that that was traditional knowledge around the planet in the in the goddess tradition that the god goddess was、uh, the seven rays, and, and so many of these places, like Peru, for example,、uh, who where the goddess tradition came after Lemuria, there there the Inca flag is the seven ray flag, and it still is, you know, it's the seven ray flag. And in, in in China there was the seven rays. In India there's the seven rays. Wherever you go, where the goddess went is was the seven rays. So they knew that that's what she was. And in some traditions they refer to the seven rays as her seven sons, right?、Um, and so there was 
typically there was seven sons. There was one that was leading them all. And one of his names is Sana Kumara. And he is known in the East and in the Order of the Seven Rays as being the founder of this Gnostic alchemical path of the goddess. You know, he he was the one that came from the Pleiades. In fact, one of his names is Kartikeya, means son of the Pleiades. So he, we know that he came from the Pleiades. And we also believe that he came via, via Venus. So one of his titles is actually Lord of Venus. Uh, but that's what he brought. He brought the Gnostic alchemical path to this to this planet and that's what we teach in the in the order of the seven rays when he arrived sanat kumara were there already oceans on the planet or water yes there was actually there, there was definitely that it um it, the earth had had progressed to that point but in, uh, actually the um see the sanat kumara is known in in, in these amongst the Yazetis of northern Iraq as the Peacock Angel. And they say that uh, he actually started coming here like 200 million years ago, and, and he helped in the, the initial rise of the continents in the form of Pangaea that, that eventually divided up into the, the seven continents. And so the whole world was actually covered with water. That's what they say when he started coming. I see. Okay, so from my knowledge, um, it was a light being from a different planet that arrived to the planet Earth first before there were even water. And she was the original um, creator, and that's before the Pleiades. And then, and then the uh, Lemurian queen arrived. And then you have Sanat Kumara, um, Garden of Eden. So, you know... I have visited um, the um, St. Germain's father's um, palace and he was the one that taught me um, certain um, magic technique, another alchemy. And uh, it was to survive in the uh, mountain in the snow without food, water and uh, clothing. And I did survive that, and it was interesting because I hiked up three big mountains that you people would have died on. So I survived, and um, it was quite magical. And I can tell you that um, where the St. Germain's Order, uh, through his father, they were actually um, teaching the goddess um, order. And he had a lot of the virgins, um, beautiful females, that he was training um, them on his um, castle property. And they have a huge properties out there in Europe. And this is when the, uh, the German came in and they had destroyed the castles. Completely destroyed it. So... And, and when that happens with the Nazi order and which, and that's the Nazi, if you know, they were actually working with um, extraterrestrial and they were, um, they look like the Greys. And um, so they were basically trying to break up the, um, uh, the part of the, I wouldn't say the original DNA, um, race 
with the Germans, but they hold a lot of DNA pieces, shall we say. So they're trying to break that up because they were too powerful. They had to break that grid more so other race can basically breed. <laughs> and that's what they were trying to do. It's unfortunate how they did it because it was quite brutal. You know, the German people, um, the Nazi German people, they, they uh, experimented even with their own citizens. They had them take birth control pills where, you know, children come out and they, you know, they had no arms, no legs. Um, I mean, it's all weird. I mean, the stuff they do, and we don't even know a lot of it, what they've done to their own citizens. This is why I think it stands out that it's not the German people. It's the, um, the this, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it, the elitist group, you know, certain extraterrestrial working with certain fraction that are coming in. I call it invasion. If you look at it, because Earth is, has always been a breeding ground, you know, and they want to destroy the sacred divine feminine. That's for sure. Um, you know, I, I OK, so that's one story I know of. And I want to back you up on about the India's uh, sacred divine uh, feminine practice in um certain part near Nepal. They are still practicing that. You know, where they go into the womb and, you know, uh, the bleeding, the menstruation. It's kind of gruesome if you look at it. But from a feminine point of view, you know, because that's what she has to live with, then it's almost, you know, it becomes a norm, an acceptable thing. Um, when a little girl doesn't have her first period yet, it's it's almost like an alien experience to her. But until she has it, experience it, then you know, become the same embodiment. And that's how she empower herself. And it's still again being practiced today. It's not well known, unfortunately. And it is, you know, Nepal still practice a lot of that sacred divine feminine goddess. And um, unfortunately, you know, they're also being targeted. But what do you think, though, about the whole Buddhism thing, do you think they are, what what energy are they practicing? Patriotic or sacred divine feminine? Well, I think that uh, initially Buddha himself, the Shakyamuni, as they call him, the, uh, the Shakas or the, the Shakyas, were people that emerged out of the Eden of Mount Kailash. As I said, there was many Edens around the planet. One was there. And, uh, and in that garden was, they say, Sanakamadar himself um, and his entourage, his Pleiadian entourage, and also they, they say there were Siddhas, or enlightened masters, and elves. The elves actually became the, the Scythians. You know, you, if you see pictures of them, they're wearing the elf hat, the, the pointed hat. Um, and so the Scythians, one name of the Scythians were the, was the Sakas, or the Shakyas. 
and they were goddess worshipers. And, uh, and so one branch of the Shakyas became um, the leaders or the, uh, the heads of the, the country that Buddha was born into. And so he became the Shakya Muni. So he inherited uh, the goddess tradition that way, but he also inherited it by when he went around India, um, he, he studied some of the tantric cults this, um, of India and, uh, and, and they were everywhere at that time. And so um, Buddhism, it, it, it kind of took on kind of a very uh, a mental sort of an ear, some aspects of it, which is more patriarchal, you might say, or more male, but this, <laughs> most of Buddhism has been tantric Buddhism. You know, the, in fact, the Buddhists were the original writers of the tantras, and, and the tantra tradition is the goddess tradition in, 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 in India. And so um, mainly where that tradition is now is it's the Vajrayana tradition of Tibet, you know, went up into Tibet. But you had the the Buddhist college, uh, colleges uh, like Nalanda University, which was which was at Padma Shambhava, at all these tantric masters of the goddess tradition that were the teachers of this Buddhist university, and, and there was ten thousand or so students of, you know, going to this university. Um, so it's it's the Mahayana. Um, was based on the tantric tradition and the, the founders of Mahayana and Naropa and some of these others, they were all tantric masters, tantric Buddhist masters. Um, but yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, the Hinayana um, Buddhism, it became, it's kind of a bit more mental in nature, if you will, not so much of the, um, kind of shamanic ritualistic rites that you find in in the tantric buddhism but um i would say there was there was a lot more it was a lot more feminine and a lot more tantrism was was practiced in buddhism in the very beginning than it is now um, and so I would say, yeah, that's, it was definitely more part of the goddess tradition. Yes, I, I agree with you on that. And I know that, you know, sometimes I hear people that do practice this or live within that culture of, um, um, like Tibetan Buddhism, they think, oh, it's, um, you know, they can have sex, but see, that's where they don't understand. They separate this whole idea ideology that religion is where you can never have sex and that's not true the way they practice um, uh, sexual intercourse is an embodiment of a unity you see but it has to be done in the right atmosphere with the right energy system opening or closing depending on which one you're talking about you know what I mean and and they they think that oh they have sex therefore they're not legit. And it, it's really, um, there's a lot of that going on, I think, and it actually turned people away. So, right. 
Yeah, in in the real truth, in uh, in this sect of um, Buddhism, and that could be divided into several of them, but doesn't matter. It's still the same, just like what you said, you know. And they focus on they derive from the whole tantric practice, and their ultimate goal is always about self transformation to become the God. Whereas, like in in other religion, it's it's a little bit pra it's different because they don't do that to take the sexual part out. It's like saying, well, you, you can't really become one if you don't have the sexual part. Is that correct? Well, um, I think that that's that's important, and, and it was it's always been part a major part of the tantric tradition. And so many of the the early tantric masters, they had their consorts. There's no yes. question, you know. Yes. And so, yeah, I think that it is important. I mean, of course, the idea is that you have to unite the male and female together. But of course, in some Buddhist sects, that happens internally within one person, where they where we all have the male and female principles or energies within all of us, and we can do that within ourselves. And then there's the, you know, then, but then in other branches, it's, it's, you know, doing it with a, with a consort. I think, you know, the, I think one of the big problems with that in this day and age is, is, is the discipline. Mm -hmm. And, and this is what, this is why you need religion, religious discipline. You need to cultivate mm -hmm. that first before getting involved with the left-hand path. Because if you don't have discipline, then, then it, every, you know, whatever you get involved in, it, it becomes an addiction. And that yes. includes sex. Yes. And, 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 and if you don't have really good discipline, there's no way that you can really follow that path of sexual tantra and do it right, because it, that, that involves tremendous amount of discipline. You know, you don't, you want to always conserve your, your fluids, your, your sexual fluids. And if you're not disciplined, you, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. But so it takes training. And, and I don't think there's many people that, you know, um, are ready for that kind of training or, you know, can go through that training and and be successful with it. And 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 then and then then follow that path of sexual time. I don't think these, this day and age, you know, for, for people, most people, sex is a is an, is an enjoyable experience. It happens very quickly and right. and you have your orgasm and that's it. And, yeah. and but they don't want to spend the time, most of yeah. them, you know, and, and, and besides that, you know, most people, most people are a part of a religious, you know, a patriarchal religious tradition that, that, you know, doesn't advocate that. So I, and that's I what agree. you have most in the world. Right. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, there's a lot of um, groups out there, especially in the West, you know, they, they join and they go have like, um, um, I don't know. Uh, kind of like a weekend thing <laughs> and they learn all this and they think they're then they come out they become you know a self-proclaimed shaman or you know a master tantric teacher and what have you and it doesn't work that way the true tantric practitioner they have to isolate themselves and give up the 3d world completely you have to do that to be fully at you know thousand percent and to fully activate that. Uh, I came from a lineage of Padma Sambhava. And, you know, when I went to, um, 
when I went to um, Nepal, they have a, um, what was it, um, manuscript institute there. I went there and I had read the, um, the ancient text that was in 2nd century and 4th century written by B Lord Buddha, different Buddhas. And it was written in Sanskrit the original text and I read it and I understood it and I read it out loud to uh, one of the monks there and he was very well versed in Sanskrit, uh, Hindi and also in English. I was really surprised and um, he for some reason like in this archive he just let me in you know and um, when I was reading it I had someone recorded this whole process and it was very, it, it was beautiful because when I was reading it, the energies were like coming in. I felt like it was all these Buddhas, teachers, and others. There were a crowd of them. They were just sitting there almost like as if they were like tutoring me. It was very interesting. And I, and I, I translated to the monk that was there. And I asked him, how did I do? And, and he nodded his head and he said, yes. Um, and he had commented that, you know, um, something about how there's, there's a truth in reading where you don't have to read it word for word, you know, the technical, that's technical reading, right? Versus that knowing the coming, it's like a, the, the spirit. It was very interesting. It was fascinating experience. You know, and these people are what I, I would say that are the real ones that do give up the whole 3D world and practice. Um, but again, like I say, when you hit at certain levels, you are allowed to have consort and live mm -hmm. almost like a normal life. And many people who don't understand this process, you know, they, they criticize it because I think this came from the, um, a lot of it is a Western philosophy that when you do practice, you know, uh, religion to be with God, you have to separate the whole sex concept. And it isn't true because when you fully integrate, that's what you call unity, that oneness. There is no sex between the, you know, the, uh, the goddess aspect or the um, patriotic God aspect. It, there's only one unity with a capital O. So my question next for you is, how does Pravati come into this story now? What, how, what part does she play? I know she is the partner of Lord Shiva and she, he is the patriotic representation of her. And we had addressed uh, the Mount Kailash and the teaching. And I'm so happy that you said that Buddhism were the, um, the first one who wrote this because from my, from my knowledge, the, um, the Adromeda and the Arcturians were also the one that brought a lot of these knowledge. They, I, would, I would classify them if they had to practice way of life or culture it would be the Buddhist practice. And most mm -hmm. people can't make the connection between these two. They think Buddhism is a man-made and it isn't. It isn't at all. 
okay, well, that's different, different angle coming in for you. So what's sure, your yeah. take on um, Pavati? Yeah, well, a lot of people think that Shiva is simply the god of fire, the god of destruction. But those people that are really Shaivites uh, see the bigger picture. They know that what Shiva truly is, is the transcend transcendental consciousness, which in, in, it's also known in Vedanta is Brahman. And, and, and that's a consciousness and that, that, that trans, transcends everything in the universe. And it's, and it's the consciousness from which this whole universe emerges and then returns to it at the end of time. And so what is Parvati is just a, a name for Shakti. Shakti is uh, it's energy. And that energy emanates from Shiva to become the whole universe. So it's basically this whole universe is Shakti. It's all energy. Mm -hmm. and, and Shiva is that consciousness that transcends it all, mm -hmm. right? And, and we are, they, they say, we are Shiva. Our, our consciousness, our, um, our spirit is Shiva, and we can transcend this universe, this phenomenal universe, by, uh, and unite with Shiva within ourselves and just, and just become the, the conscious witness of it all and and at that point one achieves god realization so this is basically this is it so parvati is 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 energy all energy the goddess is all energy that becomes this whole universe shiva is the pure consciousness from which that energy emerges and they're totally intertwined all the time. You can't have one without the other. The seeds of Shiva's and Shakti, the seeds of Shakti's and Shiva, they're all always interconnected, always intertwined. The way I see it is that first you have this mother goddess, the original creator, and she landed on this planet. This is her nest. And when she, you know, when she produced the eggs, it's a fragment of her. To fragments of her soul and that original eggs produce more eggs so think of it I see it as a pyramid system so when and then like you said this is the um, the Garden Eden of dragon creation um, I totally agree with you on that and I see all these gods what we call the gods whether in every tradition they're nothing more than children even if I call the um, the extraterrestrial there are visitors and different timing I believe that this original creator goddess is so big so magnanimous that her children are spread out throughout the universe and they are being basically coming to the earth or different planets and it's still part of her it's just a distant more like a distant you know, it's like you're saying, oh, that's my distant cousin. <laughs> this is my first cousin, second cousin. What's your well, take yeah. on that? Well, I wanted to mention that um, this, this legend we talked about with the green man. Mm -hmm. um, see, Shiva and Shakti one and the, the male female principles that come together. But Shiva cannot really unite with uh, Shakti energy because mm -hmm. it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a form. 
it's transcending it all. So Shiva has to take birth through the goddess to take mm -hmm. on a material form so that he can then mate with the goddess. So mm -hmm. Shiva has to take on a material form as his son, well, which in the Hindu tradition is Sanakamara, so that he can mate with uh, with his mother. Um, and so this is this is where this whole legend comes from, you see, is is the the, the green man is his father, is the green man is Shiva that took form that took a birth through his mother, so to mate with his mother. Um, and uh, I mean that's that's where it all begins. That's that, that's the whole thing. And so you know the uh, so really the the son this whole idea of the son being one with the father that, that we find out through Jesus and so forth and so on. Uh, that begins with the, with the green man, you know. In fact, the whole Christ myth of um, the son and the father, um, the Christed son, it all begins with the green man. In fact, I wrote a book on it called From uh, the Green Man to Jesus, the Origin and Evolution of the Christ Myth. It all begins with him. It starts yeah. with him. The, the original Christ Myth was with him. You know, he, I, he I agree with you on that, Mark. And, you know, I hear a lot of stories, especially on social media, especially Facebook, right? Posting different groups. They make they, they have been making a lot of claims how Horus is Jesus. Well, he's not. No. Um, I would say he and, might and Jesus... have a fragment. Maybe he has a fragment. Very little <laughs> DNA connection. Again, this goes back to the whole distant cousin thing. But he is not the real one. I agree with you. It is the green man. And marks that era of creation. Well, yeah. So if you start with the green man, um, his legend is, is, is the legend of, that became legend of Sanat Kumara. That a legend, then, then it passed on and became legend of Mithras. The legend of Mithras then became the legend of Jesus. It's, they're almost identical. And, and the, um, the person responsible for that connection is um, St. Paul. He was, a, he was a great devotee of Mithras, just like all the Romans were. He was, he was a Roman and he was part of the Roman legions. They were all uh, initiates of Mithras. And, uh, and so when he went down to Jerusalem and became a temple guard and he, he learned about Jesus, he said, well, okay, well, that's Mithras, obviously, because Mithras was supposed to incarnate at that time, see, at the beginning, at the end of time. And so he just took the legend of Mithras and just tacked it right on to Jesus. So this is, so if you study myth, the, the legend of Mithras that was around 100 years before Jesus, the legend is almost exactly that of Jesus. And how could that happen? Mm -hmm. He just, he, basically, he just took that Many, much of that legend and just tacked it around the legend of Jesus. So this, so th this was the very beginning of it all. With the the, the, the original Christ was this son of the goddess, and good luck in convincing the church of that. You know that that's so anti-goddess. You know, um, but that's his legend. Must so much of Jesus' legend was simply. The legend of the green man, the son of the goddess. Yeah, that's right. And um, anyway, I wanted to go back to Lemuria, and now we know why Jesus is so important. Why the um, certain sect don't want 
us to embrace the sacred divine feminine and that is to allow us to ascend higher now where is lemuria originally well lemuria originally was it was all across the pacific ocean and, and across the the indian ocean all the way to africa but bit by bit see lemuria was around millions of years before atlantis right mm -hmm. And so during that time period, parts of it um, fell into the to the ocean and it got smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, so what we what most people tend to refer to Lemuria is a continent right in the Pacific you know, itself. But initially it was it, it extended all the way almost to 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 to, um, <clears throat> to Africa and it included Madagascar. Mm -hmm. the southern Africa. And, and so this is this is why today we you know we have madagascar crystals and we talk we call them lemurian crystals right you know mm -hmm. um but that's where it was it, it was a huge huge continent um what do you think the ori original lemurian people look like well i think that that, that was a time that wise because you mentioned well, they that they're pleiades you know, a lot of people on social media claim Pleiadians are blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> and I well, don't I th think that's true. Well, I think that the, I think that there was probably some branches um, uh, because with, with, within the within the Pleiades, I mean, you've virtually got, you know, thousands of stars. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see the biggest one, but there's thousands of stars. And so certainly there could have been all kinds of different races that evolved on the Pleiades. And I think maybe one of them could have been the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, because that was also the race that came from Venus. And, and one of the traditions is that the Pleiadians came to Venus and then to here. That's a possibility. But I think that what you find on the Murray, it, it's, it's, it's uh, um, a, a place where all the races originated. And so it's a melting pot. Well, kind of like U.S. is today, right? Mm -hmm. um, they all came. They came from all points of the universe. They came. They came to Lemuria. Um, and like for example, you know Edgar Casey. You know, I don't know if you. I'm sure you studied yes. him, but he talks yes. about all the five races having manifested simultaneously on the planet. You know. So I and, and I and I think Lemuria was the place that that happened. I mean, the only reason that we considered Africa as, as, as the cradle is because um, uh, we haven't found older skeletons, you know, in the Pacific than we have in, in Africa. But I'm sure they're there. But, and I, but I'm also sure that so many of them are at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean yes, because, yes. Of, because of what's happened, you know? I agree. And I right. think um, a lot of times the planet was also destroyed, you know, either by um, intentional nuclear or asteroids and what have you. And so a lot of the evidence, you know, are, are, are not there, but doesn't mean that I, I honestly believe that I don't believe that Africa is the cradle, maybe for later, later generation, but it is not the original at all i do not believe that the first human creation came out from africa i believe that is a propaganda i don't think that's true at all and i think <clears throat> the real um place for the original creation took place in australia 
and that was a connection to Lemuria. Yeah, that was part of Lemuria, exactly, right? Yeah, I heard yeah. that His Holiness Dalai Lama had visited Australia, looked at these rocks, and he's like, yep, this is the original seed. Mm -hmm. So I visited myself, and I have to concur that it's true. So, um, us, yeah, Africa is not at all. And I think that the creation of words, languages, also give us kind of like uh, chronological order of things, especially when it comes to genealogy or timeline of such, you know, significant events. So if you look at like, um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the, um, the um, you know, the Andromedas and the Arcturians had a lot of planned out in this because if you look at them, all the words start with the A, Adam, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Andromeda, um, Amaterusa, you look at uh, a lot of the words that start with A because the original creator that came to build this planet before the water was created, her name was also start with letter A. So I think there's significant in that as well. So anyway, um, I could be wrong, who knows. Uh, so I, I really enjoy having this conversation with you, Mark, and I hope that you come back and talk to us more. I mean, I have more questions to ask you. I mean, you so graciously give us your time and energy here. And um, next time, what, what I'm going to do is have our listeners maybe throw us some questions and maybe I could post that to you, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, great. And I know that some of the, my listeners had texted me directly saying that they had bought <clears throat> your book. So I'm, I'm, I was very happy with that. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, um, as we, as we said, you know, during this uh, interview that if people want to know the, this history of the goddess tradition that was given to me from directly from the goddess, mm -hmm. you know, it's in, it's, it's all in that book, the um, conversations with the great goddess. And you get that at severinaryorder.com, our website. And uh, it, it answers so many questions. I mean, and, and, and this conversation we're having now, we could, we could go on for days, but it's so it answers these kind of questions, you know, and, and so it's going to help. It's going to answer a lot of people's questions, just if they can just get a hold of that book and read it. So can you give us the name of the book again and also how people can um, contact your website? Yeah, it's uh, Conversations with the Great Goddess is the name of the book. And Seminary Order, run it together, those three words, Seminary Order, run them together. SeminaryOrder.com, www.SeminaryOrder.com. And uh, all my books are there. And all my books are, uh, are based on the goddess tradition, pretty much. And so if you're a goddess person, like you and I are, you know, you're going to find something there that, that's, that, that's going to attract your interest. And, uh, and I would recommend starting with that one, the, you know, the conversation with the great goddess. Beautiful. Well, I look forward to uh, see your book and talk to you some more. And um, thank you again, Mark. And we will see you again. Sounds great. Thank you, Gayashu. Thank you.